You're listening to Extra Textual. On this episode, we bring you our series of conversations with filmmakers that we're excited about and that inspire us. Thanks for listening. So welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenledge. Uh, with me today, uh, I have some special guests that we're talking to uh, about their new or their film from 2015, uh, Uncle John, pretty recent. Uh, so with me, I have Eric Crary and Stephen uh, Pyatt. And uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. Us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to meet you guys over the uh, the radio waves. You too. Yeah. So uh, your film, Uncle John, um, just came out a couple of years ago, first uh, feature-length film. And uh, as far as I understood, that premiered at South by Southwest. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Okay. And uh, what was that ex- experience like for you guys? Fantastic. We were, when you're playing the festival game and you're just waiting, um, it's pretty torturous. Uh-huh. But then we got a little bit of a heads up that we were in contention at South by, which started to get very fun. <laughs> when we got when we got the official, you're in. I mean, it just for to have a forum like that to show your first feature was really something. I mean, I, I don't think we could ask for anything more. Yeah, than being that one it was really great. For sure. Did you guys play other festivals then? Um, kind of based off of that. Yeah, we did. We had gotten, you know, when you're submitting, you submit, it's kind of a shotgun approach usually. So yeah. we had a lot of submissions out and uh, we kind of held back on some in, in, in hopes that we could get into South by mm-hmm. um, as we we're getting indications. So once that came in, uh, anything after that that we got into, we tried to participate in. So okay. I think the next one was Florida and, and then Wisconsin. Nice. Uh, both of which were great. Wisconsin was really, really fun. Uh, they have a they have a great festival. Yeah, it is, this is a great festival. I'm recording here in Madison, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah that first that Milwaukee as well has a great festival. We were there as well. Yeah, Milwaukee is insane. Yeah, that's a great film community as well. I think so. So let's step back for a second, guys, and um, let's talk about how you got started in films and give us some of your background. For each of you guys, what kind of drew you to film? Whoever wants to go first. So I got um, interested in film at a very early age. It was probably like fifth grade. I didn't know what a director was, so I just kind of thought actors made films. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't know what, what it was that drew me to it, but I, it, there was something that was pretty infectious about it, and I just, you know, I couldn't watch enough films. I would, at the time, um, Blockbuster and Hollywood Video had like sections that were just dedicated to like directors or actors. Right. So I got really, I got really focused on like just watching like everything that Jack Nicholson was in. Okay. And then like, Jack Nicholson brought me to like all these great directors, and I watched all of their films, and and uh, I just couldn't get enough of it. And then you know I, I knew what I wanted to do uh, in high school, but I didn't really have an outlet for it. Mm-hmm. So I high school was just kind of terrible. You know. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> all, I, all I wanted to do is, is uh, you know, take like a directing class or make films, which I, I would make on my own, but I didn't really have any kind of uh, official training sure. uh, until I went to college. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. And, and that's when, you know, I, I really 
um, focused uh, on, on, you know, filmmaking and, and writing. Um, and that's kind of how I started. Very cool. Yeah, I know, um, as we were discussing before recording, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, so we had, like, no outlet, no film classes in, uh, in high school, no AV, anything, so. And you're a, a filmmaker yourself, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I do some, uh, some shorts, and I did one very uh, micro-budget uh, feature-length film, so. Cool, yeah. cool. Well, my, my start was a little less focused, I'd say. I, okay. I didn't really have it figured out. Uh, high school, I wasn't, you know, I was just kind of anxious to get out and get into college because it seemed like college was going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really loved college. I went to Madison. Okay. Um, didn't know what the plan was. So the day of orientation, I decided, oh, I think pre-vet is what I want to be, which is not a great spontaneous decision to make. (laughs) A little different than filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. And I got signed up in a whole bunch of hardcore, like poultry science and meat and animal science and like a bunch of crazy stuff. So I floated in college for the first couple of years trying to figure it out. And then I actually ended up volunteering at a cable access show. Okay. Just because I, I I was a movie fan, but I just liked the equipment and just, I, I just had never had any experience with it. So mm-hmm. that just kind of led down a rabbit hole of going to, there was like a media interest group that was meeting and I went there and heard some dude that had been to Hollywood, whatever, had some tales to tell. And, uh, eventually it led to me getting this list where I, they had internships in LA on that list. Yeah. And I just decided, well, I think I should, this is pretty interesting. I think I should try to figure this out. So I, I ended up getting an internship in LA my between my sophomore and junior year and that's the first time i'd been to california and that that kind of got me seriously interested in the whole the whole thing so yeah just being in that environment yeah i wasn't in i was at it was, it was a pretty terrible internship i was at <laughs> a literary and talent management place so i never really saw the sunlight but there was a lot of script around and i was dealing with just helping actors get to their appointments and auditions and stuff okay. but uh so I knew enough that I didn't like that part of it, but mm-hmm. I, there was something energizing about being even close to the film world. Yeah. And that led to more and more, you know, I, took, I started taking production classes and getting into, you know, intro to film and, and it just kind of accelerated quickly from there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So Eric, you uh, write and produce, it sounds like mainly, at least on Uncle John. And Stephen, you uh, do more of the directing side of things. How did you guys kind of come together as a team to make films? We worked at the same uh, production company in Chicago. So I was there for uh, probably three years before Eric came. It was my first job out of college. So okay. I went, you know, from Georgia, I, I grew up in Chicago. So I came back here for uh, to, to Chicago for a summer and then... I ended up uh, staying. I was going to move out to LA because all of my friends were moving out there, and it seems like that's where the place where if you want to be a filmmaker, you move move to. Right. Uh, but I ended up getting a job in a, at an advertising production house. It was kind of more of an editorial house um, that was just kind of dipping their toe into making productions. Okay. And just kind of right out of the gate, they you know I was had a camera in my hand and and I was doing a lot of like pretty like dry green screen, you know, all state commercials that mm-hmm. 
uh, it was great for straight out of college, but you know, you do that a couple for a couple of years, and it's just like, oh my god, what am I doing with my life? And yeah, you know, I just feel like uh, you know your your soul is being sucked out of your body. <laughs> um, but you know, so what I was doing is just to keep the creative juices going. I would mm-hmm. write really early in the morning, so I would start work at nine, but I would I would um, I'd wake up at at four and I would take the train in and the, the, the production house was downtown and, okay. and I, I had this, this little office and I would just write scripts from, from like, you know, five to nine every day. Wow. And, um, and that was a, like, it was almost like a, it's almost like starting your day with like meditation or something. It was, <laughs> it was like whatever happens in the day, at least you did something that was, you know, you feel a little bit more fulfilled for doing. And then right. you kind you kind of give the rest of your your energy to um, you know ter- terrible advertising, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that so I was working there for a while, and then Eric joined as a new producer, who was kind of like you know what I was told was you know you know he's this hot hot kid <laughs> who works with David Lynch, and right. you know, so I already didn't like him. <laughs> yeah. Um, not because I don't like Lynch, I love Lynch, but um, I just assumed that he was going to be like this kind of like you know, jerk from LA <laughs> right. and, uh, and he kind of walked in and he introduced himself and he was like the nicest guy in the world and, we, <laughs> you know, became fast friends after that. Cool. Yeah. So speaking of, of David Lynch there, uh, Eric, um, you spent some time in between the internship and then, um, coming to that production company, uh, working with David Lynch. Is that right? I did. Or yeah. Different? It's, uh, it actually picks up with that internship when I was there. The, the, the quickest version I can tell is I was there as an intern for only a week, and then the assistant I was interning under just kind of freaked out and quit. Okay. So they said, oh, my God, can you answer phones, and can you handle this for the day? And I said, yeah, I can answer a phone. It's, like, not that hard. And then yeah. that turned into, oh, great, maybe you can just be the assistant for the rest of the summer. So I suddenly was an assistant at this at this management company, and okay. – a lot of my job was preparing actor submissions that I would work with the runner who would actually drive this stuff all around town and drop it off. Okay. So he and I got to be really tight friends because both of our jobs were, they just sucked. <laughs> so um, I finished my summer. I went back to Madison. Uh, he moved on with his life. And, and through a friend, he had gotten a job working for David as his assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, he and I kept in touch. And then as I was getting close to graduation, I said, Hey man, I, th- I think I'm going to move back to LA. And that I went back to that place that I didn't like, but they had a job. Yeah. So I went back there as an assistant again, just to kind of get a paycheck and a way to stay afloat in LA. Sure. And after about seven or eight months, that guy called and he said, Hey man, i he's been working for David for a couple of years at that point. He said, I'm going to move to New York to pursue photography and David's meeting with new assistant candidates would you be interested in interviewing which is uh an obvious no-brainer of course yeah of course i went up and met with david and that went well and then that's the next eight years i worked for him that was i thought i'd be in la for maybe two or three years and it turned Mm -hmm. into about nine okay mostly because i want i liked working for him i was learning a ton and i i I really wanted to be around for the entirety of a film Mm -hmm. so um I got there when they were reshooting Mulholland Drive, just the end, okay. as, you know, a feature. And then I left 
in 2008 after All Things Inland Empire had come out. Okay. Wow, so I bet you that was a great just kind of film school in of itself, working with Dave yeah, Lynch yeah. that closely. Definitely. I, I, didn't, I didn't go to film school. I studied film in Madison, which is, which is heavy on theory, but it's, right. not, a big, it's not a big production school. Um, mm-hmm. And David was very much about common sense production, and I learned more than I can possibly tell you about just, we have an idea, we're going to build a thing, we're going to get the stuff, we're going to light it, and we're going to shoot it. And that, that was as, kind of as simple as that. So it made bringing it around to Uncle John, when Stephen and I were starting to talk about this, we both had come from a very pragmatic production is it's a lot of work but it's not scary and it's not impossible okay and you just start you just start lining things up and eventually Mm -hmm. you're making a film just comes together yeah yeah. besides sort of that that kind of work ethic and idea about the film uh production process what else did you kind of bring to your own your own films and your own process from david lynch if you could kind of point to one thing you learned from him um, if I'm being honest, I'm, I, it really was more about executing on stuff. I mean, he's got, it's a very busy job. Mm-hmm. He's got wild ideas, but when it comes, you know, the reason people know about him is because he executes them. Yeah. And I was just orbiting that world and part of his team helping execute. So it was really a lot of just understanding what he wanted to do and, li- and helping line things up hmm. for it. So uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a great answer, but that to be to be perfectly honest, it was really just seeing. Oh, you can get huge things done that seem impossible if you just kind of figure out how the team works and start making, start executing things. Yeah, I also kind of think he's he's kind of probably the worst person I could think of is to try to replicate because he's such an original voice. Yeah, yeah. that's probably true. Yeah. And if you try to do something that that's like David Lynch, it's just going to seem like a copy. Yeah. And and it's it, you know I don't think you would want to just kind of take his style or or even bits of his style and kind mm. of as your own. Yeah, that makes total sense. And and kind of talking about that, I'm just kind of curious. His style yeah. is so unique, and is known kind of for surreal elements and this kind of nonlinear style sometimes. Yeah. Is that something that he kind of leaves room for during production? Or do you think he kind of has that all in mind when he's going into it? Or is it something kind of discovered, kind of a balance, discovered and planned? Um, I think he's got most of it figured out. I mean, there's definitely room for things to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really, uh, to be truthful, I was really only around for Inland Empire. Inland Empire, all- yeah. And that, that was a strange production because it happened in phases. You know, we sh- mm. it started with things we were just shooting sort of in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And there were some big shoot phases where we were on, a, on, a, on the Paramount lot and shooting like Jeremy Irons and Harry Dean Stanton and all these like big actors were around for a while. So, it, But this was all over the course of several years. Yeah. So he definitely was not just like full on winging it all the time. It was very... Uh, Everything that was going on, you know, he had plans for. And then while we were shooting, sometimes he would discover things he liked and we'd go down that rabbit hole for a bit. But, um, yeah, definitely working with a plan. Uh, so what can you guys tell me about Uncle John? Could you give kind of a brief description of the plot? And you don't have to give too much away uh, to give our listeners. Sure. Sure, sure. Um, 
So this isn't, I don't think there's any kind of spoiler, but it opens with uh, something bad has just happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're witnessing the whole thing, but you don't know why it happened. Uh, but that information, you know, this, this murder that happened uh, sets the tone for the character with Uncle John for the whole film. So you know what he did, but you don't know why he did it yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in the midst of that, you meet another character who we learn is John's nephew, Ben, who's got a separate and very different life in a big city in Chicago. And those two stories just uh, play out in their individual worlds until they come together for the second half of the movie. Nice, yeah. It's a really uh, interesting structure, I think, that you guys develop for this. Eric, from what I understand, uh, your, your kind of hometown is Lodi, Wisconsin? Yeah. Um, and that provided uh, some of the inspiration and kind of cultural flavor for your film. And I know I've kind of personally gone from this in this phase of wanting to kind of escape my small Midwestern roots um, to kind of coming back around to embracing kind of this unique culture and the authentic yeah. people of the Midwest. Is that something that, that really was important to you to capture in the film? Uh, definitely. I mean, having, having moved to LA for a long time uh, and then coming back to Lodi for visits in Wisconsin, I, I you know, it's always like a big breath of fresh air coming mm. back to the Midwest at all, and especially Lodi, because it's, it is very different and genuine and uh, calmer, and, and it's got a, a whole different characteristic than L.A., for sure. Yeah. So where it, came, where it got interesting is that I grew up in a small town. Stephen grew up in, in, in a big city, both in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And then as we're getting to be buddies and, and writing together and getting pretty serious about a film – um, Steven was very curious about Lodi. So we made several trips up sort yeah. of, as, you know, to me, it's like just normal. Like, yeah, you just kind of dick around on a farm when you're a little kid, you know, like all right. this stuff. We, we went and met with some friends that have a farm and he let us sort of shadow him for the day. And just while you're writing, it was interesting for me to see what Steven was, was sort of gleaning from it. And then mm -hmm. what I was taking for granted, it became a whole nother level of details that we got into yeah, kind of view it view it fresh through Stephen's eyes. Yeah, yeah, and just, uh, just something to talk about because everybody there, it's just normal. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, Stephen had been seeing it for the first time, sort of. So it was a it was a fun way to get into it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really small town, and it's yeah. everyone has a story, and Eric knew everyone's story. So you know, he would point to a house and just tell me this. What was a normal story to him was an incredible story to me, <laughs> and and. Uh, that just was very fruitful as far as as uh, kind of un like understanding, getting like for me to understand what it would be like to live in a small town yeah. and and just uh, gossip of a small town, social currency, and and, mm -hmm. and close Chicago and Lodi were together um, like, as far as uh, distance, but they were just completely different places, you know. Sure. It was. It just opened up a lot of uh, conversations that we could have that, you know, ended up uh, us funneling into the script. Yeah, for sure. Um, on our show, we recently discussed Psycho, and uh, and I think I can't really help thinking about 
how that film subverted our expectations of character and protagonist and even the genre as you kind of follow one character for a while and then see them get killed and then um, pull back and now we're focused on a different character. And I kind of had the same sensation watching Uncle John where there's a suspense of seeing characters pass cross at this sort of inopportune time. And I like the way that the two genre tones kind of interacted to even like provide more suspense um, when they kind of clash. So the viewer kind of keeps wondering if it's going to like this romantic tone is going to get overtaken by the suspenseful tone. How did you guys kind of come about that collision of genres and worlds? Um, obviously from where you grew up, but what kind of made you come to that story? Right. Yeah. It would kind of, it, it came from that, those conversations for sure. And then, mm-hmm. and then also um, just talking about stuff that we hadn't, we hadn't seen uh, before, like you know, we, we haven't seen a film that was kind of tackled in that direct way, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and we were just we talked a, we talked a lot about like what that would mean and how that would hold up tonally and and all the things that you're saying were, were big discussions for us, um, and you know that was that was really the challenge as as, as far as when we were when we were making the film is. To, to keep the tone separate and have kind of have the two stories kind of you know touch but you know never never collide yeah. um, and and that was you know I, I think that's a statement within itself uh, rather than you know just going going after plot we were trying to go after some kind of truth that we were hope we, we achieved. Yeah, I mean, it really struck me in some of those final moments, the way that the characters talked about their families and these expectations we have of, you know, what people are like, that his Uncle John was very normal, and, you know, in this small town and stuff, and things aren't don't really change that much. And she was talking about how her family's kind of crazy and have all these quirks. And I thought there was a lot of sort of, like, truth in those sort of moments that I wasn't expecting, you know, kind of building up the suspense. And then we have this kind of nice little coda expressing some of those truths. So I think that was really nicely done. Uh, cool. Thanks. Thank that's, yeah, it's great to hear. I mean, that, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely a, you know, a thing that every day that we kind of, we walk around this, you know, wherever we are in Lodi or Chicago and, you know, mm-hmm. we really have no idea what the other person is going through. And, you know, it's, you know, they, everyone's kind of putting on a mask in some sort, and we hope that uh, you know people aren't murdering each other. But <laughs> right. but uh, we we really have no idea, even even our close family, you know what their what their like darkest uh, secrets are. Um, yeah. And and you know there's a there's another kind of layer to that, and and to you know if you're if you're a parent and you want to be a good parent, and you want to protect your kids, mm-hmm. um, you you want to kind of shelter them from from that stuff and. You know, we, we talked a lot about how we're uh, we we're a generation. Eric and I both came from a generation that didn't have to go through a draft and didn't have to, you know, what didn't have to go through war. And and how, you know, Eric's father was, you know, was was in the military, Navy, was in the Navy, yeah. and uh, and I mean, he's like the sweetest guy ever. And you know, yeah. I don't think he actually had to do uh, go through any kind of like. Yeah, it was wartime yeah. things, but just but just to there's so many you know there's obviously so many of our grandparents and parents that did, 
and they just don't talk about it. It came from a generation where that just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a thing that they, you know, brought to the dinner table. Sure. And um, just what that does to a person's psyche that can't let that out and, and uh, whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing in the end, we don't know, but uh, we just wanted to raise that question. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I, and I did also really enjoy and recognized uh, the scenes where John is with his buddies um, at the diner, at the restaurant, um, just kind of hanging out and talking. And I know that was like the total scene that I was used to seeing growing up in the Midwest and, and smaller towns. One of my favorite Midwestern things is the, the sort of gossipy older guy table. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a great touch. Yeah. And I, I was actually a waiter at the A&W for a while, so I, I waited on that table every, every afternoon. <laughs> every afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any other uh, influences or things that you brought uh, to this film to kind of inspire it or, or where you got that? Are you guys into like kind of thrillers, suspense films? I mean, I'm into a lot of films. Um, I I definitely love thrillers and suspense and and uh, those types of films. I would say, you know, what was interesting was making the. So I made the film. I was 29 at the time when when we made the film when it yeah. actually was production, and um, and I, I would, you know, I all through my 20s, I was really kind of ticked off that I wasn't, you know, not like ticked off, but you know, I was like, I was. Uh, antsy and I wanted to make a film and you know that's the reason why I was waking up so early and writing is because I you know I wasn't really doing what I wanted to be doing and um I'm I'm very thankful that I I did it did take me so long to to make a film um and and I didn't make one you know when I was in my early 20s because I don't I didn't think I had a lot to say then when I look back um I, I think it would have been much more influenced by other filmmakers because I just, I idolized filmmakers at that, at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love a lot of those filmmakers still, but I, I, I don't idolize them, idolize them as much. And, and I, you know, I, I you know, I'm, tr- you know, the more I make things, the less I'm, I'm trying to take from other things. Of course, I'm super influenced by uh, a lot of other filmmakers in, you know, during that, during that time. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, your hope, your hope, your hope is that you're, you know, bringing something original to it. Uh, whether you're achieving that or not, it's kind of unknown. It's not really for me to say. Um, but that's that's the goal. So there wasn't like a specific film or filmmaker that, you know, we we looked at and said like oh, we we want to make it like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's really wise. Um, and I've heard from other filmmakers and, and the general impression we have, you know, out of film, out of school or whatever is like, we have to like hit it out of the park the first time, you know, with whatever project we do. And I think it does time, take time to develop our own um, ideas and uh, things that preoccupy us and, and how to tell that story originally yeah. um, as well. And were you going to say something there? Uh, I was just going to say that the two genre decision. Yeah. It's part of that, I would say, as well, where as we were getting the script pretty pretty outlined and, and sort of nailed down, we made a conscious decision to try this two-genre thing that we had never seen before. Mm-hmm. 
which uh, we didn't know if it would work or not, but it was kind of the perfect forum to to go down that, and it's it's kind of pass fail on us to see if it works or not, you know. So it was yeah. a just another. I feel like for both of us being a bit older probably gave us the ability to even try that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I want to talk to you guys a little bit about to your just process as well, because uh, I think that's interesting to hear for for other filmmakers and people interested in the behind the scenes stuff. But what was your initially kind of pre-production process? Do you have a technique for writing? Um, it sounds like maybe you're both pretty disciplined in making sure you're taking time to to work on writing and things like that. Did you outline? Do you storyboard? Those sort of things? Yeah. Um, so so when we, we, we started talking about, we, we were both writing scripts at the time. So Eric was kind of doing the same thing I was doing, um, which is kind of you know writing on his own time. And uh, so I had a script that I had finished and Eric had a script that he finished. And we talked about um, producing one of them. And we read each, we read each other's scripts. And um, mine was probably, it was just probably like a little bit too big for, for a first feature, especially if we were going to do this on a micro budget. And yeah. Eric's was probably a little bit too... A little too small, a little too obscure yeah. almost to, to warrant the effort. Eric, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just kind of threw those scripts away. And, and uh, <laughs> that's a fun step, let yeah. me tell you. Right, yeah, it feels great, right? Yeah. And, uh, and we started uh, just talking, and, and we had that discussion of, like, with, you know, what haven't we seen? What would we want to talk about? What, what's on our minds? What, what mm-hmm. like, itch do we want to scratch? And that kind of led to, uh, in a roundabout way, these two genres. And the, the actual like nuts and bolts process of it is um, Eric will do a pass, a uh, full pass by himself. I'll do a full yeah. pass by myself. Um, and then we come together and we, we've kind of done a kind of a loose outline already. Uh, so we, we're not just kind of going in blind on these passes. Yeah. And, and uh, we kind of hash it out and we, you know, we talk about, you know, what's, what is working better out of you know each script, and we kind of pull from one and pull from the other, and and it t- it's a, a an ego crush on you know, <laughs> both of us, you know, and we only could do this because we're so close and, and we trust each other, and um, we, we know that we're not just trying to like get our scene in just because uh, you know we want to you know you know boost our own egos up, um, sure. so. So you know that's kind of our that's kind of our writing process for Uncle John. Um, it was uh, it's not the easiest way to do it for sure, but mm-hmm. it, it definitely allowed for us to pull from a lot of different things and and look at scenes in different ways because we had uh, very different approaches on them. Yeah, uh, so it sounds like you both kind of took a shot at the script, like you said. Um, how many passes would you say, like re? Um, rewrites, and then how long do you think that process took of writing? I would say, so we outlined initially, and then I mm. think we probably both had, did I write the first draft and then you wrote the second draft? Okay, so probably me writing the first draft and then Steven writing the second draft probably took three or four months, something yeah. like that. And then after that, we took our, our individual drafts and got together 
and that was probably another three months. I would say we're we're definitely motivated to mm-hmm. to get it done. So probably ten or eleven months total. Okay. I mean, we're also full time jobs too at the same. Yeah, yeah so. this is yeah. Between, yeah, not like yeah. eleven months is real fast, but um. Sure. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Writing on the evenings and weekends and mornings and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I, li- I would like to think that one of you wrote a romantic film and one wrote a thriller, and then you're like, we can make these work. You get that question yeah. a lot. <laughs> I'm just joking, but yeah. Well, it is It is funny, you know, or someone will be like, well, which scene did you write? And it, it yeah. doing it this way is really fun because you don't, you no longer have written any scenes. Like we've all, mm-hmm. we've both weighed in. I may have been out- argued on some scene that you don't know about because it's no longer in the script, but I don't sure. remember specifically what. Yeah, no idea what. What either of us wrote anymore. It's definitely. What. Yeah, it's been so talked out and, and sort of become uh, become a combo. Yeah. Or or something different between you know some combination of the two ideas we had that got something new going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens a lot too. Actually, it's it's like we're, we're, we'll be in a room. Super caffeinated, you know, <laughs> just kind of hashing it out, yelling yeah. at each other—not really yelling, but just <laughs> right, yeah. sternly yeah. arguing, sternly yeah. discussing. And then you know, it kind of like we exhaust our, you know, our arguments, and then it's like, well, why, you know, what is the thing here? Like, why isn't mine working? Why isn't yours working? And then mm-hmm. you know, this kind of new avenue opens up. Um, I don't know what whether that's the better avenue, or we're just trying to preserve our friendship, but it usually works. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it it came out in the film. I mean, I I think you ended up with the best place with those. So, well, we've written uh, several things since then the same way, or, yeah. or a variation mm-hmm. the same way. We've got a pretty pretty uh, good hold on that process now. I think. Did, so, did you actually totally scrap those other scripts before before Uncle John, or did you turn them into something else, or just start fresh? They're not completely scrapped. I would say that, you know, Eric's is definitely still in play. Mine had probably too much, like, there was kind of similar worlds as Uncle John, you know, it was okay. kind of like a, a farm family stories. Uh-huh. So, so I, I don't think, I, you know, I, I don't think we have any plans to tackle that one just because I think whatever I wanted to say in that script, it was, okay. you know, was able to be talked about and, and, um, uh, you we know. should reread that though. I'm yeah, curious. Well, yeah. Yeah. You can um, sell it to Hollywood, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's easy, sure. right? Yeah, it's, it's super easy. Uh, mail it to Hollywood, California. Hollywood, right, Hollywood, yeah. Check. Anybody will look at that, yeah, sure. So, uh, from what I also understand, you guys worked with a fairly small crew. Um, is that right? We did, yeah. Yeah, it was very small. Yeah, was that, I mean, was that mainly budgetary or was it something you intentionally wanted to do to kind of give you freedom and work fast or um, that sort of thing? Uh, I, I would say heavily on the budgetary front. Um, we okay. definitely would have taken more help. Could we afford? <laughs> um, but there is, a, there is something to be said for a mid-sized crew. It can move yeah. very quickly and it, it gets to be a very good, like, gelling family quickly yeah, so for sure i think uncle john was was on the smaller side of that but um the crew we had was there because they were interested in being a part of it because we didn't have much money and that was immensely helpful yeah i, I think um i hear people are doing that more and more uh, especially at this scale yeah yeah i mean that's what really what technology you know has allowed for you know what you know when you're shooting 
you know, with these big Panavision cameras on 35 millimeter, you kind of mm. you need those lights. You need to you need that big crew, but it's not necessary anymore. It's still I I still believe in in having all the departments and having those departments um, like fully fleshed out, mm. and because you know I think all those departments are bringing something to the film that's yeah. unique. Um, so I would always prefer that. But if you don't like the budget, you can definitely wear a lot of hats, and you can you can get it done, and you can. Um, it's I think it's a, the smart thing to do is just tell a story that you can you know or pick a story that you can tell with with you know a limited budget, and not just try to you know make Lord of the Rings you know on right. you know, a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, for sure. We, we were careful too. It's it's a lot about finding the team that has to be on board with mm -hmm. that. So. For instance, the DP, uh, this guy Mike Bove that we work with a lot in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Mike, we were very upfront with Mike about the limitations. Mm -hmm. Just make sure the worst thing is to like get him on board and then say, and by the way, you don't have any resources. You know? right, so right. we talked up front a lot about what it would be, and and once that's on the table, uh, he was still couldn't be more excited. Now you've got a great fit. Now we're making a film, you know. So it was. We tried to be very careful with the team assembly as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your cinematographer because um, it, it, the film looks beautiful, and I think it takes advantage of kind of both settings and especially that rural, rural setting, rural lighting, and things like that that really played into. And I think yeah. part of that was probably you knew that environment well. And how to kind of really hard to make Wisconsin look bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true too. Yeah. Um, so I also want to talk about the sequence uh, in the film that a lot of us can relate to, where the Ben character does some Facebook stalking of mm -hmm. uh, of Kate in the film to find out more about her. And I thought it was a great way to give some background on the character, kind of reveal some of the inner feelings of Ben, and comment on contemporary relationships at the time. It was kind of this good shortcut way of expressing you know what was happening in his mind um and i think it did really contrast the way that everyone knows about each other in a small rural community but mm -hmm. in an urban setting we kind of developed uh this way of you know catching up with people's lives and kind of knowing what's happening in their lives through uh social media uh where did that concept come for that that little montage because i think it was really a really nice moment. I mean, that's that's very articulate, Eli. I mean, that's exactly yeah. where it, where it came from uh, for us. It was you know we just kind of took a you know put a lens on you know how we get to know people these days. Mm. And you know, I and the funny thing is, I think that that scene is going to be, or probably already is, almost <laughs> dated. You know, it's like there's there's yeah. new forms, you know there's Instagram and Twitter yeah. and, and and Snapchat. And and uh, it's like only our parents are on Facebook now, but <laughs> right. but it's uh, it's it's definitely a, kind of a, a a new thing that we that we do, uh, and it's and it's a, there's something that's a little bit creepy about it, but everyone does it. They just don't talk about it, you know. And we know yeah. all these all these things about people, uh, but it's but it's just the the part that people are displaying, which is you know there's a falseness to that, anyways. Um, so we there's there's so many times where I'll hang out with a friend and I'll I'll know where he's been or 
you know, you know what she, what her new job is, or you know, it's and I don't yeah. even ask, you know, I just cause I just know it already, you know, and yeah. it just kind of breaks down uh, kind of a communication and actually hear it firsthand from the person. So um, it was doing all the things that you were talking about, and just that's that's the kind of the the reason why we uh, want that avenue. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what can you guys say about kind of like working with your actors? Because I think you had some great performances here and found some great people. Uh, do you um, try to rehearse a lot? How do you approach it? Did you not really have time to rehearse um, because of the production schedule? Do you do you stick really close to the script on dialogue or give some freedom to your actors? That sort of thing. I I love uh, rehearsing, but I I have not had a project really that I've been able to uh, have the time and budget to do it mm-hmm. and uh, the only thing that we got to rehearse was the the four the four guys in the diner and okay. and, that's, and you know we spent a day rehearsing that and there was actually the we did rehearse um, the the co-workers um, as well we first mm-hmm. uh, kind of their banter and we so both of those guys Alex and Eli who played the, the two friends, uh, co-working yeah. friends? They they all they came from um, improv background. Mm. Okay. And so and so th- we would give them the script, and then I recorded them, just kind of let them go off and and do their improv thing, and and you know see what we would uh, you know see what we could mine from that. Mm-hmm. And and there was like little flourishes that would happen, but it's it's tough to. It's tough to have such a limited budget. Some filmmakers do this and just do an outline, but um, there's we shoot in a very structured way and we storyboard everything and mm. and, and it's tough to just kind of like okay, this is going to be you know I have 15 minutes to shoot a scene and it's, it's, it's tough to be like okay, let's just improv it. You know we can't we couldn't yeah. really do that. So sure. that that was a, a useful tool to allow for the natural moments to happen, but also kind of rewrite those moments back into the script. And then there'd be a lot of times where, like uh, Alex is such a great, um, he's such he's so great at improv that I just would I just wouldn't yell cut. <laughs> he, he would be out of lines, and yeah. he I'm going, and, and Jenna would just you know just play along. Just play. And, yeah, we were able to take all that stuff and kind of fold it back into the edit as well. So um, that's kind of how we worked with with improv and, and the actors. Yeah, were the uh, John's buddies in the in the diner? Were they non actors originally, like locals or all Chicago, uh, mainly theater actors? Okay, okay. Because I'm I'm a big fan of very authentic you know, natural performances and sometimes I've utilized non-actors, but I, I was impressed then how, how natural they all seem together. So. Are you, are you, are you a Coen Brothers fan? Uh, yeah, I do like Coen Brothers. Yeah. So Ace, one of the guys in the diner is the clear coat guy from Fargo. Oh, nice. Nice. I'll have to watch back for that. It's, it's kind of an amazing scene in Fargo. (laughs) Right. Um, so what, uh, what are you guys looking at next? What's some, uh, some projects coming up for you? Do you have things close to being finished on anything? Uh, yeah, so we just finished, um, uh, we were on a, a TV show that, uh, 
do, Eli, do you know what creepy pasta is? Do you know what that term is? I do. Is? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a there's a show on Sci-Fi Channel, um, and it's it's called Channel Zero, and the okay. and the conceit of the show is that it, it takes a it takes a creepy pasta story, mm-hmm. and for your listeners who don't know creepy pasta, uh, the best uh, the, the most famous one is Slender Man. That was a creepy yes. pasta story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll take a, a a story that has it's a horror story, fictional horror story that's gone viral. Uh, the creator's name is Nick Antasca. He, okay. he, uh, he writes a uh, six-episode. It's basically like a long film. It's called a TV show. It's really just a film. Um, yeah. And he'll, he picks a, a director for each season and just lets that, lets that director um, do, the, do the full season. So that there's been two seasons so far. There's going to be a third and a fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric and I worked on the second one. Um, so we were in, we were in Winnipeg, uh, for, you know, from June to November, and uh, and then I just got back from LA uh, doing the edit, and okay. it's going to come in September. So um, it's called Creepy Pasta, and the and the story is No End House. Nice. It's called, nice. It's called Channel Zero. I mean, sorry, it's called Channel Zero. Channel Zero is the show. So I've I've heard um, great things about this show. Actually, I just have not had a chance to check it out, but I uh, oh. I will want to even more. So you said that's airing coming this September. Your September. episodes. Okay. Yeah. And how many episodes did you get to do? Uh, six. So there's six, six. in each Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. Uh, oddly enough, this is like the third time Slender Man has come up on our podcast, so I don't know what, what that means, but... I haven't watched that documentary yet. Did you see the documentary? I did. It's, it's really interesting. As a parent, it was really hard to watch, yeah. <laughs> dealing with... Because um, they interview the parents of the, of the girls, but yeah. um, it is really fascinating. Yeah, it's a horrific story for sure. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell us anything about that experience of maybe doing television more? I'm sure it's a very uh, rigorous schedule doing those episodes. It was. You know, I think that's the smart thing about, uh, you know, hiring independent filmmakers too to, to do it because, you know, Nick's looking for a very cinematic look and, mm-hmm. and a very, like uh, he wants a different voice for each each season, so it's a really like it's a really great concept to, to do that and approach it that way. Um, we obviously had, you know, a lot more money than uh, <laughs> than Uncle John, um, sure. uh, and we had a full crew and this amazing crew in Winnipeg, um, and and uh, it it was not that different from. And in, like making an independent film, it was just a marathon. You know, it's forty <laughs> right. days of just nonstop, um, nonstop shooting and and problem solving and mm. and you know trying. You know, we we were very ambitious uh, with what we were trying to do, and mm. you know we were. You know, it was you know, just like all filmmaking is. It's you know it ends up being just a you know this like Rubik's cube to solve. You know, you know, and figure out the schedule and the actors and. And you know, getting all the material shot, and you know, right. it was a it was a huge undertaking, but um, it was thrilling, and it was it was a great experience. I'm re- yeah. Really, I've done it. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that. Maybe we'll have to have you back to talk more about it when it comes out. That's great. 
Um, so I always like to ask our guests before I let you go, uh, just what things you guys have been watching lately that you're excited about or that you might want to let people know to recommend to watch film, TV, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I, in a nerdy way, I mm-hmm. am a huge Nova fan. <laughs> I've been okay. watching tons of Nova and, uh, planet earth Two, which uh, I watched the first episode at Stevens and I kind of can't get enough <laughs> So on the like not narrative side that stuff. Um, I don't know. My wife is starting to watch the wire. I've seen it. Okay. Uh, she has not. So I'm, I'm very quickly being, uh, falling right back into that in a very happy way. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to ride along on that the whole time. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I I have not seen that yet. We started it when I, we had our first uh, son, and then just didn't have time anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. You need a good month. <laughs> yeah. Right. About, yeah. Um, and I I uh, so I had like ten months on this project, and I wasn't watching anything really. Um, so I you know came home to Chicago, mm-hmm. and just like oh my lord, what's like? <laughs> what am I gonna watch? Uh, uh, what's the Stranger Things that everyone's talking about? You know, <laughs> right, yeah. So behind awesome. everything. Um, but I just finished uh, season two of The Nick, and I love that. I'm a huge okay. Steven Spielberg fan. Sure, uh, yeah. I thought that was uh, great. And I'm just kind of, uh, I don't know what to watch next, man, honestly. I got, you know, <laughs> Robot season two. I got Narcos. Um, I just finished... Um, Girls, I watched that. Okay, you know, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of a cool show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot. There's just so much content. There's so much there content. There is. Yeah, it's overwhelming, but uh, yeah. it's definitely cool because it can. It's like uh, you can definitely curate what you want to watch to ex- your exact taste. And a lot of the times, I'll just just browse Netflix and HBO and every other app that I have on my Apple TV. Right. Uh, and it's just, that's my evening. I don't watch anything. I just browse. <laughs> right. yeah. That's like my favorite things to do. My, my wife gives me a hard time about that. We'll just be sitting there for like 20 minutes. She's like, are you going to start anything or should I just go to bed? What's going on? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, okay, I, had a, I had a fried chicken sandwich. Uh, you know, I had two beers. What do I feel like? Yeah, yeah that's right. Just browse through it. Well, cool, guys. I uh, appreciate you doing the show, and it's great to hear about what you're working on. And Uncle John, um, I'm a really big fan of and think it's really unique for a first project out of the gate for, for feature length. So um, thanks for being on the show. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah.